when the kids call and they say, hey, Dad, can you pick up Skyline? I'm always like, absolutely. I'm halfway there because you don't have to tell me twice. That's the time for our family to be together, and Skyline's always been part of our family time. There's a reason Bowling Green State University is ranked number one in Ohio for student experience. Our in-demand degrees and life design program prepares students for their first career and their next. With an unparalleled support system at a national research university, BGSU offers an unrivaled experience, all on a vibrant campus in one of America's best college towns. It's also why Bowling Green State University is the number one school in the Midwest that students would choose again for the fourth year in a row. Welcome into another edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Masseri, here with Mike Bunt. We're going to be going over the draft, Mike's favorite UDFA talk, some free agent signings, some potential free agents, what the step chart looks like today, and some other topics. We look forward to getting into it, but we'll be right back with you. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw, and it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone, and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Allen. Deep downfield, wide open. Well, 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 we are back. We are back in action after a crazy Saturday with the panel, with myself and Mike. We went a whopping six hours live right here talking about one pick for the majority of the day uh, until we got news of Nick Broker. Uh, so that was an, a very fun experience. We really appreciate everybody tuning in t- with us as we got it going on. But Mike, first and foremost, how are you feeling now that you've had three or four days of rest and some reflection uh, as well as being on the roundup? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good right now. I'm not going to lie. Saturday was quite the experience. Six hours of football talk, live streaming. I got a little loopy towards uh, the middle of that experience, but uh, back at it last night with the cover one roundup guys and excited to talk about this draft class and a couple of free agent signings. Uh, Big news today with the Bills bringing in a defensive tackle. So a lot to get to on the show tonight. Yeah, looking forward to getting into it. Um, Really, we did a good chance of recapping day one and day two live on the show. We had six hours, so we had a lot of different discussion points to talk about. Um, So make sure you, if you want to see some real real good footage, check out our day three coverage as we're kind of talking about a little bit of everything. But, you know, now that we've had a kind of a few days, you know, 72 hours to reflect on it, Mike, what are your initial kind of feelings now that you've kind of put this thing all together uh, with the draft class. How, are you feeling better? Are you feeling worse? Are you feeling indifferent? Talk to me about where you left off uh, after Saturday. I feel good about this draft class. Uh, they they addressed the most important thing to me, which was getting a pass-catching weapon. Now, I, I was hoping for a receiver originally, uh, a Zay Flowers or Jordan Addison, but I will not complain about Dalton Kincaid 
being the guy taking over that role. Brought in some size in Osiris Torrance, a guy that many people mocked as a first-round uh, talent early in the process, getting him all the way at 59, uh, which is incredible value. Obviously, we're going to talk about the third-round pick, Dorian Williams. Uh, there's some controversy among the fan base, uh, complaining about it, but we'll tell you we'll tell you how we feel uh, about the pick. And then Justin Shorter to wrap up um, basically the, the offensive weapons, a guy with a lot of potential. So overall, I think there's a lot to be excited about this draft class, and we'll get into that. But there also is some concerns. A lot of people went in hoping for a right tackle. Some people wanted to get a starting middle linebacker. The Bills didn't address either of those in a way where they're going to get a starter. So uh, there's going to be some some debates back and forth, but uh, a lot of intrigue overall. Yeah, it was an intriguing draft class, one where, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about Don Kincaid on the live show, uh, what he's going to be able to do, basically, your, you know, your 11 and a half personnel in there. Uh, he's going to play different 11 sets. You know, he might be in for 12. Uh, he's he's going to be able to most likely be a very versatile piece in this offense. And I believe he'll really be in line at Y at some point in his year, second year, maybe third year. Dawson Knox didn't have the world's most experience there. They're very similar body types and statures. So it's going to be interesting to see the trajectory of a Dalton Kincaid. I think it's one of those expectations thing again. Brandon Bean says he's not going to play Y. He also said that Dorian Williams isn't going to play middle linebacker. Backtracked a little bit on that one after he realized, like, okay, maybe I need to get a little bit different of an explanation, uh, which I don't mind. I, I, I'm all for not creating expectations. I think that's the way to do it. But at the middle linebacker position specifically, that was probably one where he needed to at least say, like, yeah, we're going to entertain him there. We think he has the developmental skills to be there. He's got the wingspan, got the read and react ability. We think he can be a middle linebacker. He's not any smaller than any other middle linebacker, which is proven. He's just not Tremaine Edmonds. Um, but, he, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's the same size as Roquan Smith. So there's really not a big deal there with, with height, weight, and speed, and wingspan, hand size, all of it. So... He can play middle linebacker. It's just I don't think Bean wanted to tell you that and then be like, well, why isn't he day one starter? Why is AJ Klein in there? Um, you know, he, he didn't want to create this perception kind of like we felt with Bernard. So I think he's kind of managing expectations there with Dorian a little bit. But at some point, I did like him to kind of tell us, like, there is a plan. It isn't just a backup Bernard and a backup um, Matt Milano. There is a plan at middle linebacker, and it's going to go to one of these guys. I wouldn't be shocked if one of them between Bernard is a starter and one of them's a backup, and then the other one um, is is a day one position player in the, in the in the defense. So that that's my opinion on the two third round picks. I think that if there's hiccups, you have you know Klein, you have Dodson there. I mean, both of them are are, are special teamers that are veteran presence in the locker room that are there if there's any mishaps. But I do believe that they're airing on Terrell Bernard to start potentially. If not, and he's more of the backup, they are looking at Dorian Williams to be the starter, Mike. So. I believe that's the plan. I don't know where they'll land in September, but that's, I think, the long-term plan over the next six months to get to to where they need to be. So I'm pretty feeling pretty good at linebacker, and if it totally all falls on its head, it's just the number one need next year. And there's a lot of veteran free agents that didn't get their fifth-year options picked up today. In other news, um, so as we've already spent a lot of time here on the first three rounds specifically – you know, Nick Broker came in. We talked a little bit on the show about shorter uh, on Saturday. You know, boundary receiver, four team, a four uh, four down special teamer can really do it all. Four phase special teamer can really do it all. 
So he's going to be an interesting, uh, intriguing addition to this team. You know, we kind of talked about it on the show. I talked about it elsewhere that the Bills really liked this guy. Um, but, you know, Nick Broker comes in in the mold of Orion Bates, played at Ole Miss, uh, really at one point was a day one, day two tackle early on in his career, kind of showed that he was going to be a guard. Uh, and now, you know, it's more in that Ryan Bates mold of playing multiple versatile positions and is going to come in and compete. I don't think he's guaranteed a roster spot, but he's certainly going to make that interior that much better. Uh, so that's, you know, was a, an intriguing addition where being claims that he was like the top guy on his on his board and he wasn't even going to try to pick another offensive lineman, but that's how high he was ranked. And I kind of believe that based on where he was mocked earlier in the season. Um, so that's lastly, Alec Austin, another boundary type of cornerback who's going to be able to do it all. Um, he's going to come in in that Benford mold zone, read and react type of corner. So they did pretty well for themselves in this draft, Mike. So after you're looking at day three, uh, there's going to be some some nice depth pieces added. Yeah, a- absolutely. And the, the the biggest guy day three is obviously Justin Shorter. Uh, what I've said on the, the show on Saturday, and I, I said it again on Cover One Roundup uh, last night, I think he's going to be a fan favorite pretty early on just because you look at him. He looks like a beast. Uh, the, the picture that was all over social media completely ripped. You're talking 6'4", has the height, vertical threat down the field, can uh, has good hands on those contested uh, passes. But we have to remember, he, he is a fifth rounder for a reason. He did not have the most productive college career. Now, some of that might be circumstance where he was playing, um, some of the systems that he was part of. But he's going to be a, a guy that, we're probably going to see some flashes from in training camp in the preseason. And we have to remember, just like we got a little too far ahead of ourselves with Isaiah Hodgson's at times, that there are other guys ahead of him and that the Bills like to be patient with some of their younger players. Now, that doesn't mean he can't see the field and that he can't earn time. But I, I do think the Bills view him more as a developmental player uh, that could be uh, someone that steps up in future years. And then when it comes to the seventh uh, the seventh round pick and then the sixth round pick, Broker and, and Austin, we'll see if they have a chance to make the team. Uh, obviously, Broker, uh, the big stat everybody was talking about him was that he didn't allow a sack last year at Ole Miss. That can be a little bit misleading with the type of offense that Ole Miss was running, uh, a lot of RPOs, quick passing. So We'll see what he can end up being. I know Air Raid thought of him as one of their under-the-radar prospects to, to look out for on day three. So we'll see if he can at least be some competition in camp and, and earn a practice squad role. And then uh, obviously with Austin coming out of Oregon State, uh, late seventh-round pick, the Bills have had some success uh, on day three with DBs uh, overall. So whatever McDermott sees in him, We'll see if there's a little bit more to uh, to develop and, and mold because we're talking Dane Jackson. There's been Christian Benford, Levi Wallace, uh, DeMar Hamlin. So these late round guys, you can't just automatically discount them uh, when it comes to the Bills because some of them find a way to to end up making the roster and making an impact uh, at times as well. Yeah, and a good point for Shorter was the number one recruit out of high school, out of Jalen Waddell and very talented players. Um, so it's definitely the talent's definitely there. He would tell you himself that he wished he put together a little bit more college production and his two stops. Uh, but the ripped images remind you of DK Metcalf. They kind of remind you of Josh Gordon, the player on the field. So you got that mindset and he's definitely going to be a fan favorite. The team liked him. They selected him. They're convicted on him. 
um, and his testing and what he's going to be able to do and his projection. So he's going to be a fun one. The difference, what protects him for being Isaiah Hodgins is going to be the fact that he's a four phase special teamer. That's going to protect him on this roster. That's going to give him a Jersey. That's going to get him in the game to show who he is, get your number, see him, see him play on the field and then get, get him some snaps at boundary. That wasn't the case with Hodgins. And can I clarify when I, when I mentioned Isaiah Hodgins, I was more so referring to a fan favorite late round yeah, yeah, yeah. receiver that we need to be patient with. I'm not saying his game is the same as Hodgins. And yes, Isaiah Hodgins ended up doing well last year with the New York Giants. But we have to remember, it was already his, what, third year uh, in the NFL. It took three years to get to that point. What I'm saying is with a guy like Justin Shorter, we're going to see a lot of flashes. We're going to see the athleticism, the body, the frame, the catch um, radius and all that stuff. That doesn't mean day one he's going to be an impact player on this team. The same way last year, all of us, Kevin, myself, liked what Khalil Shakir brought to the table, but we didn't think Khalil Shakir was going to be part of the Bills' rotational receivers in September, October, in making big plays. Now, uh, that's all I'm really preaching about with Isaiah. Just have some, some patience because I think there is talent to work with with Justin Shorter. Yeah, fair enough. And I think to the counterpoint is the Bills took it a step further, obviously took him around earlier like they did with Shakir. Um, and, you know, obviously Gabe Davis was a couple rounds earlier than Hodgins, but the biggest difference there is his ability to get a jersey. They want him to get a jersey. They want to make sure his spot is secure for four years. The way to do that is to make sure he could do other things and just play boundary receiver. You know, that's all that Hodgins could do in the red zone. He didn't present enough to get a jersey on game day and that's really important to a really talented team and the Giants may have just drafted over him anyways for as much as we're talking about Hodgins you know they they certainly weren't shy about improving that room Paris Campbell comes in for the slot Jalen Hyatt on the boundary to take his job um so you know they obviously traded for Wandell you know they still drafted excuse me last year Wandell Robinson um so you know re-signed Darius Slayton so it's not all you know you know rainbows and butterflies there for Hodgins if if he can he might be one of the, toward the last end of the roster again this year. So we're going to see how that develops, but the Paris Campbell in the slot and Jalen Hyatt, there's going to be an interesting transition for him. So, but you know, you got to be able to do those other things and someone like shorter can do them. And that's really what makes him different uh, to me. And, and really, I think there's an entrenched six receivers on the roster right now. I think it's a really talented group. Could they use a high, high end wide receiver too? Sure. But outside of that, I think that the, the, the group of six is fairly good between, you know, you got a good battle between Hardy and Shakir. You got shorter actually as a real boundary option compared to last year. Just kind of guessing was really just Hodgins and nothing. Um, you know, you got another special teamer and Sherfield. Obviously you have your, you know, your two starters and Gabe Davis and uh, Stefan Diggs, but it's a really good unit. And that's not even factoring in Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox who are going to come in and present uh, different, uh, options and abilities, as well as the receiver, our running back room with Naeem Hines, James Cook. You know, now you got Latavius Murray just signed yesterday, another good signing there to help. You know, you really won two there with Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. You're one, two kind of at that versatile receiving back, um, you know, speed back and James Cook and Naeem Hines. So you're pretty deep all across the board on the offense and the offensive line, maybe beside right tackle, everywhere else is really deep on the offensive side of the ball. Like I said, maybe a high-end right tackle, maybe a high-end second uh, receiver. Other than that, I mean, the offense is in pretty good shape, healthy. Um, and, you know, that's what you like to see coming into this is, you know, the, the time and the effort they put to protect Josh, 
give him some more weapons. Uh, and they did just that. They, they had a luxury pick in Osiris Torrance, a uh, guy that, you know, Beans is going to help day one in the pass protection area. Didn't allow a sack. He can anchor. Um, you know, he's really good in the run, too. I mean, he's just a stud right guard. Um, and to push Bates really to that sixth role, you have David Edwards as the seventh role. You have Quesenberry as the eight. You have Tommy Doyle as the third blocking tight end and other, other, um, a versatile piece there. We had Tommy on the show. He said, he'll play anything. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of talent. You have Nick broker fighting for a role, you know, it's a fairly talented group, Mike, and one that is a lot better than last year. There's no, there's no question about it. The offense looks to be in really great shape. Um, even without the premier receiver two addition, but Kincaid comes in and eases some of that tension tension. So we're looking good on the offensive side of the ball. It is quite frankly, a Super Bowl caliber, uh, room that if something had to happen in, I don't think Bean will be shy to add to it if he needs to in September, if there are, if there is a reason to. So love the way that the, the offense has turned out. And one of the bigger question marks as we turn our, turn our attention to defense here, Mike, is the addition today of Puna Ford. They came in, they got it done, $10 million evaluation, critiqued a little bit on that spot track, but made six and a half last year. It's not like he made a, uh, you know, one four last year. It's not that far off of what he got paid. Um, is he more of probably a five to $7 million player? Yeah. Will he probably see more like three to four with some void years? Yeah. So, um, a really good addition at the one tack. He can play a little bit of everything rushes the passer really well over 40 hurries over the last two years, um, is a force in there could have been utilized heavily last year with the, 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 the depth problems they had at the defensive tackle that really bit him by the playoffs. Um, so he's a really big addition to the unit, uh, that they didn't add to because the board didn't fall a certain way. So, Right there is a pretty good five five man team um, that is uh, that's going to be effective. You know, you got someone who does everything else. You got you got Tim Settle. You have uh, obviously Ed Oliver. You have Daquan Jones. You have Puna Ford. Um, so it's going to be you know Jordan Phillips. It's going to be a pretty good unit. I'll still sign to one year, Mike. But that is a really good interior um, uh, defensive line going into the year. Yeah, gotta love the addition of Puna Ford to this defensive line. Greg Thompson is in heaven right now. He's been calling that for uh, a couple months, saying that he wanted Brandon Bean to target Ford and add him to the defensive line. And now when you look at this unit, had they not brought him in, had they just gone the draft, not gotten defensive tackle, there would have been some questions. Um, not tremendously huge questions, but there would have been a few questions about D-tackle, why did you avoid addressing that uh, on the first three days of the draft? But now you bring him in, uh, you add more depth, and you're looking at a unit that that should be sh pretty strong up front. You're looking at guys like Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, and then Tim Settle. Obviously, you hope he steps it up a little bit from what he did last year because it didn't really add too much value on the defensive line. But this was uh, a move that most likely had to wait till today because of uh, comp reasons, Kev, I know that you've been up on all that stuff um, all offseason, but uh, it, it just it made so much sense. And obviously, right after the draft, Brandon Bean was saying, we have a couple things we're working on. Uh, mentioned defensive tackles, still uh, some thought that they could be adding a defensive end as well. So I know that's something that we'll, we'll address. Who could be some of the guys that they're looking at right now? But things are really starting to while many kids are making their holiday wish lists, the patients at Nationwide Children's Hospital are simply wishing they could be home. But you have the power to make their stay a little brighter. 
The moment you make a donation, the butterflies on the lawn at Nationwide Children's light up for our patients to see. And that gift brings joy, funds research, and the world's finest care. Please, light up the lawn, light up a life. Give now at nationwidechildrens.org slash give. Uh, come together on both sides uh, of the ball. You mentioned the offense. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But really outside a middle linebacker with the unknowns of who's going to step up in the competition and maybe defensive end uh, at this moment, you're looking at a defense that pretty much is in a solid position uh, as far as who their starters are, who their depth pieces are. Uh, we just kind of have to figure out uh, middle linebacker and then one more defensive end on this squad. Yeah, I wanted to bring up the current Mike Clay team ranking units I had here. I think it's very interesting. This was obviously before the Puna Ford edition. But uh, as you can see here, obviously quarterback ranks very high, running back, um, you know, still middle of the road, low low average. Still, you know, they, they still consider our receiver room not the greatest. Tight end obviously took a huge bump uh, with the addition there. O-line, they still have ranked pretty low. But if you take a look at um, the unit grades on defense, uh, they're in great shape defensively. Uh, second ranked defense before Puna Ford. That's before we go out and add an edge rusher uh, that's seemingly on the fold. They haven't talked about edge yet, but looks like they may be entertaining like a Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram, Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, it seems likely that they make a move at that position to kind of cap off this roster as they go into training camp as the kind of the last move there. Uh, but it's it's pretty cool to see this that the defense is still ranked too. I know we it's much maligned and we much talk about it, but the addition of Puna Ford, the addition of an edge rusher, Dorian Williams, um, they're in pretty good shape defensively, much more than I think we all kind of kind of sit back and think about. Um, so, Mike, what's kind of your reactions off of the post-draft unit rankings here from Mike Clay? Yeah, so I think the defense looks unbelievable once again. And that was kind of my thought that, a lot of people were going to be hard on the defense following what happened against Cincinnati, but that they were going, going to be strong once again next season with or without Leslie Frazier. And, and you look at it, the 3.0s on interior edge um, and upgrading at the same time still uh, at those positions. The linebacker score 1.9. Obviously, that's a little bit lower because of the uncertainty uh, next to Matt Milano. But the corner score 3.0, that might be a little bit higher than what I expected. I know Trey um, is a great player, but there's a little bit of an unknown with what version of him we'll see going forward. Safety group, they, that might be the, the best group in the league right now when you're talking about Taylor Rapp, Jordan Poyer, and Micah Hyde. And, uh, so this defense is going to be strong. I think the offensive unit grades are a little bit lower than what I personally would put them at. The, the running back room, I understand. If James Cook is your starter, there's a lot to be – we have to wait. We have to see what uh, he eventually will be. But I, when I see a running back room with James Cook, uh, potentially Latavius Murray, Damian Harrison, Naheem Hines, I see better talent than uh, a 1.5 score. And, and the receiver room is interesting to me as well because Stephon Diggs is elite. I think just having a, a player like that – should elevate you to a higher score than a 1.6. I know this is looking down on Gabe Davis overall, but I do think he's going to have a solid year, especially with some of the recent uh, offensive additions that they had this offseason with Dalton Kincaid helping out in the slot, 
adding speed and Hardy, uh, Khalil Shakir, uh, another year of experience, hopefully ready to step up in that slot role. And, and then tight end, 1.5. I, I don't really understand that, Kevin. Uh, Dawson Knox, I, I feel like, is one of – I don't want to say he's elite, but he's an above-average tight end, and you just added a first-round caliber uh, tight end to that group. So that score, to me, doesn't make sense. And offensive line, I get it. The, the Bills' offense line was not good last year. But there is the potential for a big jump with some of their additions. You still have Dion, You have Mitch. Uh, at left guard, you're going to have a competition, which normally brings out the best in players uh, between McGovern and Edwards. And then right guard, you now have um, you have Osiris Torrance battling uh, Ryan Bates. So, like I said, I understand some of the skepticism. He's unbiased. We're a little bit biased because, obviously, we, we watch every Bills game and uh, root for them to do well. But I do think the offensive scores are a little bit low and that the defensive scores are, are right around where I would have them at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting, uh, obviously, how high some of the units are unbiasedly defensively. I mean, all of them, even at linebacker, are pretty off the charts. Uh, you know, top units in, in most of those categories – and, um, you know, how low some of the offensive ones are for as well as I thought the offense is doing. So that's funny. Um, kind of let's talk about defensive end for a minute here as it's something I wanted to get into. Obviously, you have the players we, you know, we all know on the roster, pretty pretty straightforward there. You're talking about Greg Rousseau. You're talking about you know, Von Miller. We'll see where he goes, uh, what, what week he plays in Shaq Lawson, A.J. Epinesa, Boogie Basham, uh, Kingsley Jonathan. That's easy enough the, the people on the roster i do think there's an addition there to be made you got leonard floyd jadevian Clowney, kyle van noy frank clark marcus golden justin houston melvin ingram yannick and carlos dunlap there's definitely names there it's fairly deep for may uh at the edge position you only expect one of those two of those names to be floating around like at most position group there's like one or two of those names but that one specifically is fairly loaded they are all waiting probably for the may deadline maybe in a training camp. I think it still behooves the team to bring them in now into OTAs, get used to their new defense, especially defensively. I think it's not a quarterback running back where you want to come in, you know, miss, miss spring. It's definitely something where it behooves you to bring, to be brought in, uh, in OTAs. So I think a defensive end is still added to the unit and to kind of set it up over the top defensively, because look, Mike Clay has the bills as the second best defense before Puna Ford in a defensive end. Those could be the two additions that put the bills toward number one defense in the league. So it's not, it's not a crazy thing that the defense is going to be uh, very good again. So as you know, as we can see, we'll bring up the defense again. Only uh, looks like Miami he has is the best ranked defense in the league, uh, which is which is pretty interesting and not by much. So certainly wasn't the case last year. I don't know if that's a Vic Fangio boost or what that is, but uh, the the number one ranked Miami Dolphins defense is certainly an interesting proposition to be number two in the league. Uh, number one ranked uh, defensively, but remember they utilized their draft picks early too. I think this, that, that sheet may have been, that might be pre-draft Mike on the overall rankings. I'm not sure that those are post-draft to consider uh, Kincaid the overalls. Now the, the, the one I had up before was definitely post-draft. Um, the ones where the teams are listed there, I think that that is pre-draft rankings. Yeah. And it, it is the one wild thing Kev about all of this is, that when you look at the Bills defense and the one spot that stands out is middle linebacker still. And it's really the thing that is the most interesting thing heading into training camp, in my opinion, 
when when discussing this team because you, you, they had opportunities to fill to fill that hole before they ended up selecting Dorian Williams. They could have gone Drew Sanders or Trenton Simpson in the second round. Simpson ends up falling all the way to the mid eighties, so you had a chance to to trade up potentially if you truly thought Trenton Simpson could be a guy that could come in and make an impact right away. There was other players, linebackers, that also went uh, in the middle, late uh, stages of the second round, third round, that the Bills could have made a move on, didn't have interest in. So to me, the, the only takeaway I can have is that Brandon Bean is not as concerned about that position as the rest of us, uh, as the media, the fans, in that he truly thinks it's a position where they can uh, address it from within their room. Now, does that mean A.J. Klein could be starting this year? Could Dodson somehow win the spot? Or is it going to go to one of the younger guys like Terrell Bernard, Dorian Williams? Does Spectre have a chance? So I, I think the, the thing that is eye-opening on that is a lot of fans last year and going into the draft this year would say that Terrell Bernard was a wasted pick because he didn't get significant playing time last year. But the Bills see him every day in practice. They see what he's capable of. Do the Bills believe Terrell Bernard is ready to take that step up? It doesn't matter what we see on the outside or what we think on the outside. If McDermott thinks he can play middle linebacker or they're trying to change things up, it's not going to matter what our thought is. They'll play. So the A.J. Klein signing, in my opinion, was insurance in case things don't work out with whatever their main plan is right now. And Dorian Williams, to me, seems like a guy that has what they like in a middle linebacker, but they're not ready to put him in the middle of the competition uh, because of the defense he played with in Tulane. And also, a lot of people would say his processing is a little bit slow at this moment in time to immediately take over on a defense like the Bills. So how it's all going to play out is interesting because that's really the only weakness I see at the moment on the Bills defense. And he had Brandon Bean had multiple opportunities, like I said, during the draft and free agency to address it. And he chose to stay away from it, which tells me he feels strongly about someone currently in the room. I'd wager it's probably Bernard even though a lot of people are saying Bernard wouldn't make sense at middle linebacker. Yeah. And a comment from Brandon Bean today, real chance Vaughn is ready for the season opener and called him a genetic freak. Um, so he did not go on the record about uh, Tredavious White last year. Um, you know, neither, no one did. So I think that there's a real opportunity. And at the very worst, it's a couple of games into the season. So that's definitely an interesting note. He made it back well within range last time he tore the same knee. Um, so that's still pretty a pretty cool update from somebody who seems to rehab really well off of these injuries. He's used to it. He's used to what it takes. This isn't his first time. He's not down mentally. He's already ahead of schedule. So at some point, maybe he just does rehab better than maybe I would or you would, Mike. So, um, you know, if he's ready to go, just kind of eased in. It's kind of the ease-in plan I thought they might go with with Trey White last year. Uh, but he seemed to have a hard time with his rehab. Uh, probably takes him into this year to really be back to full strength. So very interesting that the GM comments on that in, in May. Uh, so that's usually a pretty good sign outside of a setback that, uh, you know, he's going to miss limited action. Kind of like what he said earlier, but with, with Vaughn, you got to take everything he says with a grain of salt. 
But when the GM the comments is, publicly, I think that's a good sign. The question is, even if he is fully ready to come back, do you yeah. ease him in? Do you let him – at what point do you let him go full full throttle? Because I could make the argument that as long as the Bills are competitive, they're winning games, and they're safely a playoff team. Obviously, if, if they're losing games in September, everything changes. But if you think they're safely a playoff team – I could make an argument that maybe you should ease um, ease him in a little bit more, reduce his playing time to try to make sure that you have a healthy Von Miller for later in the season and the playoff run. Um, I, I know injuries sometimes are just freak luck, um, an unfortunate circumstance, but we don't really need Von Miller going off in September and October. We need a healthy Von Miller for December, January, February, uh, potentially. So I do hope, and I know that that the Bills, doctors, management, everybody will be taking the cautious approach. But I do hope they take their time and do what's best for Vaughn instead of trying to get him onto the field early. I agree. I think they should do right, but they still still fine line. If he's ready to go, the GM's already prepping for him to play. Um, I think at worst, you ease him in. You don't inactivate him to 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 to, to risk it and to risk something. It's going to be the Bills have one of the hardest strengths of schedules in the league. As of this point, things change, but the schedule does look tough, both by statistics and on paper. Um, we'll see how it all turns out. The division's hard. I don't think, you, you know, you know, you know, you're going to get primetime games early on in the year. I'm fine with an ease and I'm not fine with just scratching him to. Yeah, no, that's, get, that's how I'm, I am too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can you can be cautious with anyone. I mean, you could be cautious with anybody on the roster. You know, a team that I think that airs like that, like the New York Yankees, will put you on the IR if you have a, if you have a tiny little hip strain. When it comes to to football, and and I think you just got to play. Like you just got to get out there. If you're cleared, you're cleared mentally. You're cleared physically. You get out there and play. I'm fine with limiting some first quarter snaps. That's totally cool by me. I'm fine with the third downs in first quarter, but in the fourth quarter, I'd still like to see you have a gamut of your reps um, as you're in there to close out the game. And, you know, you're giving, you know, imagine Von Miller coming in in the fourth quarter to give Boogie Bash from AJ Epinesa a spell. That's quite still a nice problem to have, even if you're not going to register 55% of the snap. So it's going to be, I, I just thought it was an interesting note for the GM to comment. Uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty good step in the right direction that they're expecting to have him very early on in the season, if not by opening day. So that is something we didn't hear from other ACLs. You kind of hear, well, he's on schedule or I hope he rehabs well, this and that. You don't generally hear um, you know, any more than that. So um, I'm really excited for the middle linebacker room, Mike. I'm really excited for it. I'm more excited than most. We talked to Eric Turner about Dorian Williams previous to the draft. We had a spaces and we were chatting about it. And he mentioned the likelihood that he could develop into a really good middle linebacker, had the wings bad, had the read and react, had everything there. Um, he was kind of caught off guard by the outside linebacker comments. But I still think we kind of talked about that earlier, that that was more of a protection by Bean. And he's like, well, maybe I didn't, maybe I'll backtrack a little bit on it. I went a little bit too far. Do you think that's what started the firestorm on social media? Yeah, being comments? Because if it, he came it, out, it, Mike, how about this? If he came out to you and said he's day one starting middle linebacker, how would you feel about the pick? I would have been perfectly okay. Exactly. exactly. So I, I, I tend to agree with you. I do think this was being kind of lowering the expectations of a fan base that was assuming the Bills were going to draft their starting middle linebacker uh, on Thursday, Friday of last last week. And basically telling them, let's let's be patient with this guy. 
Uh, we don't want to flood him with expectations. And that's why I believe he said outside linebacker and special teams, which then I think did the opposite of what Bean was hoping for. And I think that's why they ended up backtracking uh, the next two days was I think Bean said that because he was looking at, we're going to ease him in. He has all the physical talent, all the physical um, attributes you're looking for, but we're trying to teach him the game, acclimate him to NFL football. Instead, with his comments, he basically scared the entire fan base that they did the same thing they did last year with Terrell Bernard, which was a, a pick and stash, a guy that they like, that they knew really wasn't going to see the field much, but they had in head intangibles of a linebacker that they liked. So we'll see how this all plays out. I am excited. I do think Dorian Williams' future with the Bills will be at middle linebacker at some point in time, not willing to, to go out on a limb and say it'll be right away, but he will be part of this competition, assuming that he's able to uh, show the coaches that he is capable of mini camp and gets off to a strong start in the training camp. Producer AJ Sabalski says he expects him to start week 10. Um, so from AJ, he expects him to start week 10. I don't think that's far off. I think I saw a good, a good comment in the chat room earlier that uh, AJ Klein is the floor. I kind of like that. I kind of like that way of thinking that it's true. If Bernard can't hack it and he's truly a backup to Milano, you know, Dorian Williams comes in and isn't it. Um, I do believe that that's true. It's, it, it would be a Klein Dodson battle. You tell them both that they have an opportunity. I really think you don't need it. They're kind of redundant on the roster, but maybe they keep them both for special teams play. I don't really think you need them, especially with Baylon Spector. They're a younger linebacker who can play teams, and maybe you have something in there. But I like. I'm not. I don't. I don't hate. Like you need to have one battle to me. I don't hate six players, potentially six players battling at the middle linebacker. It's really probably really like two or three. Maybe, maybe not though. Like I really like that. It's a, a heavy competition. You don't have someone thinking that they have the job and you're going to get the best out of each. I like to see what Dorian Williams can do like at Tulane. Yeah. He wasn't the number one watched player, but there's a lot to like about that wingspan and the ability to close and make tackles. And if his vision can get a little bit better and his ability to diagnose can get a little bit better. He could be a really crazy good middle linebacker. Maybe he never develops, but that's why you take him at 91. Uh, maybe he does, and it's a really good pick. But I trust Bean in this range to make the right selections, even with Terrell Bernard. Bean, if anywhere, has kind of struggled in the second round, believe it or not, that range where players are falling. He's got him ranked high. They fell for a reason, like AJ Epinesa was talked about, maybe going in the first, Cody Ford. He tried to come up and hot people for so there's kind of that second round that he's boogie basham. You know, we're not really sure what the fit is there. He struggled a little bit there, if anywhere in the draft. He, he's usually pretty good in the first. He's hit some players from three to seven. I, I liked what he did with Dawson Knox. Even Singletary was a very useful player. Spencer Brown could be a useful player, even though he had the back injury. We'll see what Williams and Bernard are. I think he's okay in that range, especially picking late in the third. Um, he, you know, he's knocked some fourth and fifth round picks out of the park. So, you know, gotten some six round talent in this in the door. So ultimately, he does pretty good on day three. He really does. Historically, he does well. People like three. to grill him. Bean is, I think the narrative with Bean with a lot of Bills fans is that he had Josh Allen and that the rest of it is just Josh Allen carrying the team, which is right. not true. It's not true. Bean took apart the team when he took it when he took over in 2017 and built this from nothing. So 
Uh, I think the the hindsight narrative that Josh Allen is the only, only reason why this team is as talented as it is right now is a bunch of hogwash. And like, like you said, Kevin, there have been late round hits. There have been uh, day one hits, multiple day one hits. It's not even that he hasn't had players in the second and third round that have produced and have played for the Bills. It's that he doesn't have guys in the second and third round that have developed into grade A players. They've mostly been depth, backups, decent contributors, but nothing special. So that always leaves fans wanting for more because you know your first-round picks are going to come in and start right away for the most part. The day two picks where you're getting guys in the second, third round, a lot of fans are hoping those guys are going to be starters and, and, and make an impact early. When the truth of it is, when you are a Super Bowl roster, a lot of times day two picks are going to have to fight to earn their time. Now, I understand Kansas City won the Super Bowl last year and they played a bunch of rookies, but they were also in a situation where Kansas City needed to play those rookies because they didn't have guys in front of them and they were also confronted uh, dealing with injuries early where those guys had to step up. Now, Everroot Dog Supplements can help keep your dog feeling their best every day. Ever playful. Ever curious. Ever thriving. Visit everroot.com to learn about supplements that can help with your dog's unique needs. From multi-benefit to skin and coat to hip and joint. Because every dog deserves to feel their best. Everroot Dog Supplements. Powered by Purina. Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster. In a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. We'll see if that that happens, if the Bills have more faith in some of their guys in the future uh, in similar situations. But the narrative that being cannot draft, I think, is uh, one that leaves – it's not my favorite. I'll, I'll put it bluntly. Yeah, I think it's a weird one. He's absolutely dominant in vet free agents to get vet free agents to come here to get good values on them, playing the cap. Uh, he's, he's dominant in those situations. Um, you know, so to me – Yes. Like I said, I pointed out, like, if there's a flaw, it's in the second round. That's the only thing that worries me a little bit about just it just offhand about Osiris Torrance is like, if he's a stud right guard, why did he fall between three guards and two centers? He's the sixth interior offensive lineman taken. That gives me just like a quick just glance at pause is like, well, you know, to me, he might have been the number one interior lineman. Is there some questions with how big he is that he can't move, that he can't, you know, pull? What's the issue? Because to me, it just looks like a solid day one right guard that, you know, should be a five to ten year starter. So that's that to me is what like the only the only pause was. Why did that guy go where he went? And I felt that way before at times, which sometimes makes me think like step back and take a think about that. Like, really, why would someone else not select him uh, other than? Or number two would be the num- the round two is actually a lot better than people are giving credit for. Yes, we all dogged the first round talent, most notably the top 20. But after 20, and we all saw this, there is good football players in this draft. The first 20, it, it was it was not a normal top 20, but Bean even said it. From 20 to 80, 
there were some talented football players on the uh, like being able to be selected in day two. Like it was a really good day two draft. Yeah, and I think sometimes there's a little bit of a difference between media perception, fan perception of a player, and what yep. NFL teams are thinking of that same player. So media and fans obviously are high on Osiris Torrance, and I think the Bills are equally high on him. But uh, there was probably something that led to him dropping uh, a little bit, at least to 59. It wasn't like it was uh, a massive drop. But but you think about it. During the draft process, we have fans and people clamoring for guys like Josh Downs at 27 if all the receivers are gone. And then Josh Downs falls all the way to, what, 76? You have people mm -hmm. talking about Trenton Simpson as a possible first-round pick uh, for the Bills two weeks before the draft, and he ends up going 87. So there's always some guys that maybe there's information that didn't get out yet. Maybe there's uh, something on film that teams are seeing that the rest of us are are not noticing. But all you can really do as a fan is is trust what your eyes are telling you and and hope that your team is making the right picks. Osiris Torrance was a beast in college, Kev. He, he doesn't have the, the traditional high RAS score that a lot of these previous Bills picks on the O-line have had, uh, guys that you would typically think would be uh, Aaron Cromer type guys that you can mold, develop into something. But this guy is just a big body who got it done at Florida at an SEC level, transferring from Louisiana with his coach. And when, when you think about it, uh, to not allow a sack in your college career, uh, especially when you're playing SEC football as a senior, that, that is incredible. And it really beefs up this Bills offensive line. I, I think it's clear now after this draft, after free agency, that when Brandon Bean was looking at his offensive line at the end of the season, it wasn't the outside. It wasn't the tackles he was concerned about, even though we all agree. You're right about that, though. Like, it was right interior, that. interior, interior, interior. When you sign two former starting guards and then you draft someone at 59 overall, he believes the issues on the offensive line came from the inside out, not including Mitch Morris, though, uh, and that by fixing that, Josh is going to be able to have the time in the pocket that he needs to hopefully take this team to the next level. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, there's, I mean, he played four years at, uh, or excuse me, three years at uh, Louisiana Lafayette. He was all sudden about there, um, you know, started the majority of the games, you know, started 12 games as a, as a, as a junior at Reichard, you know, started 13 of the 14 games as a true freshman as a sophomore. He started all 11 games and was named second team all Sun Belt. Um, you know, he was the fourth best offensive guard in the nation by PFF. Um, you know, then he entered the transfer portal and ultimately only played one year at Florida. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that had had played a role into it. Um, and consensus all American last year, first team all SEC. Uh, so definitely comes with some good pedigree. Maybe only one year of Florida Gators football was the reason. But how much do we like Florida right now? You know, look at it. Two top it's a, picks. It's a weird program to fall in love with, especially shorter. Really doing great the last couple of years. Their other guard they brought in as a yeah. UDFA. Like what? they like Florida a little bit. The question, the big question you have right now is most people, including myself, and I'm assuming you, uh, mm -hmm. are pretty much slotting Osiris Torrance in as the starting right guard at this right. moment. What does this mean for Ryan Bates? Is he trade ammo during? the preseason or is he going to be your versatile backup lineman that can slot into any position uh, that there's really a need at 
If you need a, if Mitch Morse goes down, basically go to go to center. If Torrance is down, he slots in that right card. Uh, mm-hmm. Has that mobility. What do you think this does for Bates? Because obviously, he doesn't want to be a backup. He didn't sign uh, to come back to to have a backup role. He he came uh, back to Buffalo, obviously with that restricted free agent status, to to try to be a starter in the NFL. Yeah. So he can't be super happy about the way the draft played out. Yeah. I think what's interesting about this is I think the bills are going to play it by ear where it's early bait. You had teams that liked him. They gave him offers. You know, a lot of NFC teams came after him. I think the NFC North specifically had a couple teams interested in him, including the bears. Uh, at some point, I think he's bait. If he comes in and he's still pretty good, but you have broker who's able to take a position from him in camp. You have Tommy Doyle back playing tight end swing, all types of different things. He's able to take a role. Ike Butker, who they like a lot. You know, it's not, it's not inconceivable to admit that Bean likes to get his draft picks that way and could be on the block as he's done it many, many, many times. Could he see a fifth, a fourth, try to push the Cody Ford envelope even a little bit higher to someone that's produced a little bit at this level could be a fourth round pick. You don't know what's going to happen by all, by, but by all, you know, signs are pointing to right guard Osiris Torrance, left guard McGovern, you know, right tackle, left tackle are pretty entrenched as well. Mitch Morse is the center. So unless you have a plan to get rid of Morse or do something with Morse, he, I mean, yes, it's great to have a four plus million dollar backup interior offensive lineman. That's salary cap. The bills could use to free up during the season. Um, maybe do something there if needed, but more importantly, they have a draft pick that could come back for them. Or if he's proving to be really versatile and they can't let him go and Nick Broker, you know, hasn't developed, you know, you know, you can't trust Nick Broker, like Butker is, isn't, isn't taking over or anything. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, there's a notion you have David Edwards as well. Someone that has done it before that being make sure to always reference as someone who's done it on a Super Bowl team. I think that you can move away from Ryan Bates, especially if you can have a backup center, especially at that value, especially if you're going to get a pick. But if not, and he comes in to prove that versatile, you hold him and maybe you move somebody else. But the, the Nick Broker pick is kind of the setting point to me between Edwards, Doyle, you know, Broker, you know, Butker. What do you like? What do you think about those? And I'm seeing it in the comments right now, saying that Bates could take over for Morris at center if Mort's. Morris ever gets to that point where he wants to move on. Everybody always alludes to the fact that Morse could be one concussion away from wanting to retire, hang it up. I think some of that might be speculation. Obviously, Morse has talked about his concussion issues, and you, you never know in the NFL. You could be done just like that. Do you think they would hold on to him simply uh, as an option in case something like that ever happened, a health-related situation with Mitch Morse? Yeah, I mean, if the Bills felt like he was that, I mean, he's an expensive insurance, more than a backup quarterback. I mean, he's an expensive insurance policy for sure. Um, so if he's really is the heir apparent and that's who they, and they don't address it next year, say something happened to Morris, you can still address center next year and still have everything else rock solid, the, the other four rock solid across the room. I mean, that that line that line has some longevity on it. You have Osiris Torrance on a rookie deal. You have Connor McGovern just signed up. You have Dawkins on his deal. You have a few more years of Spencer Brown and a couple other players that are still locked up, you know, broker on a rookie deal, you know, at some point that's not defensive tackle. You can do go ahead and make a move. If, if, if Morse does retire, you can worry about center next year, but it's an expensive insurance policy for sure. And maybe one that they'll like to keep, keep and take out on the long term. But ultimately, 
he could be one that has value though. Like does, can you trade David Edwards today? No. Can you trade Nick Broker today? No, not really. Can you trade, you know, most other play, you know, Butker others on the, on the line? Not really. I think that Ryan Bates has a legitimate value return on him. If Cody Ford's going to get a five, you get a four or better for Ryan Bates. And, um, you know, he signed pretty reasonable for a team, 4 million plus to, to start. It's not terrible. Bills get some salary capital relief, get a pick and can go elsewhere. I don't think it's outlandish because you got to kind of weigh like value to skill. You can't just trade the 10th offensive lineman on your team. You do need to trade someone six to eight that might have a little bit more value than moving like Butker. So that's kind of my opinion on, on the room. But if they determine he is the heir apparent, he does offer really great versatility is the sixth offensive lineman in the game. Um, you know, you keep him. you take out that insurance policy for the, the rest of the deal and you, and you roll with it. But it's an interesting topic that they went both and Bean said he didn't want to, but they went both Osiris Torrance, who was a top player on their board in the second and Nick Broker, who was by far the top uh, player on their board in the seventh. Um, and being able to utilize those rookie deals, trading baits, it is an intriguing picture if you need to free up money. If another veteran comes up, whether it's D-end or whether it's, you know, receiver comes out of, you know, you know Jerry Judy's traded or DeAndre Hopkins and the Bills want to go back to that well at some point, they're being more reasonable. Well, you got baits. You got a couple other things you can do to quickly, you know, make that happen. So I don't, I don't think it's outlandish, Mike. No, I, I don't either. And it's one of those where you just let it play out however it plays out. I, I think you can go plenty of different directions with it and be okay with uh, different results, uh, however you want to proceed with that. It, the, the only curious thing I really have with the offensive line uh, is really the right tackle situation. Because with how heavy Brandon Bean went with addressing the interior line, I do find it curious that he didn't find – really any competition for Spencer Brown, at least legitimate competition at a starting job. I would have thought in this draft, because I, I realistically, I went into the offseason thinking Spencer Brown was going to keep his job, that Brandon Bean would justify him starting by saying, you know what, he entered last year at camp, wasn't healthy, didn't get off to a good start, was shaky, but didn't have his health. He's a second-year player high Raz player. We still think we can develop him, not ready to give up on him. Well, that point ended up being correct. Uh, the Bills definitely are going into next season with Spencer Brown, and they still believe in him. But I would have thought they would have given themselves an insurance policy of someone that could push Spencer Brown a little bit. I know that they brought back Quasenberry, that Tommy Doyle is still in the fold, but I, I'm surprised everything was targeted at, at guard during this offseason, everything was in. I, I understand you, you want to improve uh, your depth. You want to uh, improve your starters at, at both left and right side. But you think about it, they brought in the govern. You think, okay, this is our starting left guard. We'll have some average backup. Well, then you bring in David Edwards, who not only was not a backup, he's been a starter for multiple years. Right guard. You think Ryan Bates is most likely safe after the Kincaid pick in the first round. And then out of nowhere, you have Osiris Torrance, who's probably going to take his job. So if even if we're assuming that McGovern and Osiris Torrance are the starters at the guard spots, it's interesting that both spots, theoretically, there will be a competition. And if either of them struggle, you have someone else that can slot in ahead of them. But right tackle, there's no such person. 
that I could see taking over for Spencer Brown. I, I know Quesenberry is a veteran, that he is a decent run blocker um, in the past, but it's it's just curious to me. It, it basically, they're just saying, Spencer Brown, this is your job. You're not having competition. Now, is that something where they don't want him to feel lack of confidence or they don't want him to feel under pressure? I, I don't know, but it, that just really stands out to me. And maybe there is still a move that they can make before the regular season, but I don't really see anyone that can compete with Spencer Brown right now for that right spot. Yeah. And what could Ike Butker get? You could probably get a sixth or seventh, depending on how good he looks this offseason. He has shown some versatility, but ultimately I don't think enough to really move the needle maybe. Um, but someone like that would probably receive a future six, a future seven. I'm not sure exactly how much fruit that that bears. Uh, so I do, I do think you got to kind of consider more of the middle tier of that offensive line unit, a really depth and, and a decent unit. I think you're, you're playing on the fact that if broker comes in and looks good, you have him on a seventh round deal for four, four years. That's what you're looking for. You know, the difference is Bates is signed and can be a starting guard and with versatility equals a pick a one-year deal for Butker seventh round pick. Um, you know, broker is, is the reason that this could work out because if he comes in and looks good and can play versatility, kind of be almost a Bates, you know, four years of that is very valuable. And that's kind of what I'm looking at here. It's funny to say, Osiris Swartz probably takes the starting job, but Bates is real competition is how does Doyle look coming back? He's versatile. How does broker look coming in? He's versatile. That could be kind of the sentence to Bates. Um, not necessarily just Osiris Torrance. It's kind of a piece of the package where I think that uh, that they um, will will utilize a different path to see his roster spot. And for me, um, I mean, Quesenberry is the backup right tackle, so that's that's already settled. Um, but in, in 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 fact, I think that Brian Bates is a likely trade candidate because he has some value, and that's what makes the best trade candidates in my opinion um you know a couple of the other guys doyle butker a couple of them are coming off of injuries they, they just don't make great trade you know you're not going to trade but uh, uh broker so it's really baits if you're going to consider someone to be traded um and then maybe defensive tackle still with all guys on one-year deals some of those guys could stick out to me as trade potential trade bait bringing back in at oliver linebacker funny enough has some players that others could like um, that could have some linebackers get traded. Um, that could look look around the league. It is a fairly traded position. You can come in and play it. You know, as much as we don't think the linebacking room is good, others might give a pick for the linebacker room, uh, especially with the seven there. So it's an interesting unit to follow between linebacker um, and then the Bills at corner. Maybe they really like what they have there, and Dane Jackson's a trade candidate. I don't think that that's far fetched either. The fact that, you know, you brought in a guy like Alex Austin who had some high values and test particularly well, he comes in and looks good too between him and Benford, you know, you can definitely move. Uh, uh, Dane, Dane would make sense. If yeah. there was a guy in defense that could be trade bait, it would be Dane Jackson for exactly the reasons you just mentioned. Yeah. I think he brings, he's another, another guy to watch out for getting traded. Um, but Hey, we've talked about all year, how, how maligned the, the O-line was, why trade from it. The only reason would be you'd get a usable pick and save some money. So that would, those would be the reasons you wouldn't trade a cheap contract at the O-line position. You just, you just wouldn't. If broker looks good, you're not going to trade him. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of my opinion on what to do. You're not going to trade a rookie, rookie contract unless it's Cody Ford. 
Um, I think that you have good offensive linemen for a reason, and they struggled there at times last year. Let's not get into a predicament where, you know, you're thinking about running in Quentin Morris in certain sets because you got so injured in Miami. So um, I think that that's kind of what you're evaluating as you kind of get into spring and into summer. Um, but I kind of wanted to talk about defensive end just for one more second, Mike. Do you think that a defensive end move gets made and – do you think it's needed? Do you think one final push to have a veteran and which one would you like? So I, I do think it would be helpful if the bills can bring someone in veteran experience and get them in under the cap. I am, I, I would love this. I don't know how realistic it is, but I would love a push for Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, he would be a guy I'd be in favor of. There's Melvin Ingram. Uh, he also makes some sense, and I know a lot of people have been mentioning Justin Houston. You look at the list of veteran DNs available right now, and it is a crazy list for early May. And because of the amount of guys that are available, you would think that you might be able to get one of these guys on a pretty good contract for, for the Bills overall. So I, I do think it's important. You don't know. I know there's positive news about Vaughn potentially being back for the beginning of the season, but we don't know how that's going to play out at this point. It's early May. I don't want to make assumptions that he's going to be the same Vaughn that we've come to expect in, in mid-September. So I, I would like some veteran insurance, someone that you could hopefully plug in across from Greg Rousseau. Um, if not, uh, you got some more depth for when Vaughn does come back. Uh, just another guy to add to the rotation uh, so you can continue to attack teams in waves. Uh, if anything, now football isn't about just finding one stud that you play 80% of the snaps. It's about continuously throwing guys out there that can go full out and uh, attack opposing O-lines with your rotations. And so I'm all for it, Kev. I, I probably wasn't as for it a couple months ago before thinking about it and, and seeing how things were playing out. But with the market the way it is right now, I do think it's a move that makes sense and something that the Bills should be open to. Yeah. Tommy says, sign Yannick. He'd be a good sign if he go that route. Yeah, I mean, he'd be someone that were to require a little bit more money and void years probably. But the good thing about I talk about void years all the time is it's a placeholder on the cap. It's almost like a team option that a team can take out because you're already accounting for that player and you can kind of exercise that cap against you and pay him a little bit more to stay. So – uh, you can kind of use it as a team option and say, hey, Yannick, if you play good, you know, we already have you on the cap next year as with your void years. Let's look at this and let's include that into a deal. Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster in a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. It's the Smuckers Uncrustables podcast with your host, Uncrustables. Okay, today's guest is rough around the edges. Please welcome Crust. Thanks for having me. Today's topic, he's round with soft pillowy bread. Hey. Filled with delicious PB&J. Are you talking about yourself? And you can take them anywhere. Why'd you invite? And we are out of time. Are you really cutting me off? Uncrustables are the best part of the sandwich. Sorry, Crust. 
So I think that something like that could happen. And the Bills have gone young at most, at most because I mean, Shaq Lawson still isn't the oldest player uh, in the world. Puna Ford is a younger player, David Edwards, um, Taylor Rapp. They've gone young, you know, traditionally for some of the older players, uh, Damian Harris. He did bring in uh, just recently Latavius Murray, as we talked about, but, but for the most part, they've gone fairly young this year um, across the team and, and uh, adding young talent and not just the oldest veteran they can find. So that was, that's kind of an interesting um, you know, thing that they've kind of transitioned to that, you know, Yannick and has got that going for him over the 34 year old, you know, Justin Houston, who's still very effective um, or, or Melvin Ingram also 34. So at some point, like they might be looking for young talent right now uh, on the roster, as it's pretty evident by the names we just had a 28 year old matches up perfectly with what the bills will be looking to do. I think that it's a good addition at this stage. You could come in and be the pass compliment to others who are good against the run. But, you know, a Yannick Ngakwe could really come in and come after it. So that's really what I'm looking forward to. And I do believe they added the defensive end room by uh, by by mandatory OTAs. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Kevin, and all of that makes sense. And w- one thing I do want to point out, Kevin, now that the draft is over, we've gone through free agency, obviously there could still be some small moves between now and uh, training camp and, and so forth. I do think it's really impressive what Brandon Bean has done this offseason at uh, attacking free agency, the draft, and kind of filling some of the the holes on this team despite the limited resources that the Bills have had. If you would have told me – I know offensive line was important. I know defensive line, edge, all those were important. If you would have told me that the O-line would have picked up two starting uh, guards – that we would pick up Damian Harris, Latavius Murray, that you would add uh, a pass-catching weapon like Dalton Kincaid, uh, a speed guy like Hardy, uh, a special teams depth receiver like Sherfield, and then uh, a draft pick in the fifth round that adds height, vertical uh, ability, and Justin Shorter. And then you look at some of the, the defensive moves to bring back Jordan Poyer, no one saw that coming uh, heading into the offseason. Taylor Rapp coming on a $1.7 uh, million contract. Puna Ford coming to Buffalo. On We'll, we'll see the terms of that, but uh, probably not a massive uh, deal considering it's only one year and he took less money here than uh, what other places were offering. But you bring back Jordan Phillips, you bring back Shaq Lawson, you look at his ability to make these contracts work, bring in the talent, and then retain some of the talent. And really the, the major loss that you have is Tremaine Edmonds. I, I think it's very impressive what he did, and it really speaks to the the culture and uh, respect level for the Buffalo Bills organization across the NFL. Because even though Poyer wanted his money, when it wasn't there, he was still open to returning because he felt comfortable enough with what he started here in the guys in the locker room. And he wants to finish off his mission. A guy like Taylor Rapp was a starting safety to come here on a cheap deal. Puna Ford starting D tackle. Like to me, it, it's pretty incredible that uh, he's been able to attack these holes the way they have in a team that some people thought might be exiting a Super Bowl window, even though I hate phrasing it like that, because I think as long as you have Josh Allen, you are in a Super Bowl window. Um, 
the fact that some people thought it might be starting to go on a downward trajectory, I think it's clear now the Bills are still all in and they still believe that they are closer to being one of the best teams in the league than they are a, a team struggling to win their division. We'll see how it plays out. The AFC East is much more difficult this year uh, with Aaron Rodgers in the division and uh, Tua uh, back healthy. But I, I, I just had to say how impressed I was with yeah, the it was a great, the great offseason for starting negative 20 million. They obviously made space quickly, but started negative 20 million, had a great draft. And kind of to cap my point off from before, Connor McGovern, uh, another signing that they had, a guy that they trusted in 25 years old. At, at, uh, Tim Settle restructured 25 years old. Most people think Tim Settle's old. He's not. Uh, Puna Ford just signed today, 27 years old. They got younger across the board. David Edwards, a guy we brought up, 26 years old, Super Bowl champion. Uh, Taylor Rapp. 25 years old they got a lot you know even the re-signings of you know of of Shaq Lawson 28 years old they didn't spend Deontay Hardy they gave a two-year deal to 25 years old Trent Sherfield 27 years old so they got younger they took guys right off of their first contracts they thought that was the way to go this time around during this reboot between you know obviously their draft class but to get younger here was a pretty strong indication of what the bills were looking to do here you know dane jackson off of his first contract resigned ike butker still you know on you know 28 so these guys aren't you know 28 or younger i mean that's that's what they were going for they brought back uh dodson who's 24 you know someone that we might think has been around a long time he really hasn't 24 years old so really good youth across the board at these position groups and they did they did get you know a fair amount younger here and it wasn't just all about, you know, you know, they trade for Naeem Hines is another one I forgot, 26 years old. So they didn't just decide, like, let's get a veteran in here one year. They got guys on multiple years for once. They got guys that were fairly on the younger end, as discussed. And, you know, I think that it's a little bit different of a, of a change for what they've been doing in the years past. Damian Harris, 26 years old. So you can kind of see that the age is something that they were after this time around and not just the veteran present. So they had a little philosophy changed, got it done. And could they, that's why Yannick and Gakwe to me kind of fits in exactly what they've done. If you look at the kind of the archetype of the off season, Yannick and Gakwe, that 28 year old or younger threshold, it kind of fits the mold outside of, you know, really bringing that Phillips who's 30 and bringing in Latavius Murray just as, as depth. Other than that, they've gone fairly young at most position depth which is a really interesting perspective that maybe Taylor Rapp gets the contract next year. Maybe Puna Ford gets the contract next year. Maybe Yannick and Gakwe would get That's a good way of thinking, Kev. Like yeah. these are one-year deals because they could all, that's all they could fit in at this moment. Correct. But you earn the chance to get that big deal next year, the chance to take over a, a more permanent role, get your bag of cash. And the way I like to look at it is, you go through the entire roster. You look at each positional positional group. What position group got worse this offseason and which position groups stayed the same or got better? The only position in this on this entire team that I can look at right now and say they have downgraded is middle linebacker. You go from Tremaine Edmonds, who's a, a stud, to a question mark. But you look in every other room – it's, it's incredible. We already know about the offensive line, so I, I'm not going to bring that back. But the running back room, like, yes, Devin Singletary was a good player. But we would all agree that the Bills were a little bit limited with what they could 
bring at teams from a running back perspective. Now you have a one-cut guy in Damian Harris. You potentially have Latavius Murray as competition for one of the final spots, a guy that's bigger, that is rushed for over, I think, 500 yards, 600 yards the last five, six years. You have Naheem Hines as some depth, special teams ability. You look at the wide receiver room right now. We all thought that was a decent room heading into last year with Isaiah McKenzie and Jamison Crowder. It turned out to be an incredible weakness of this team. It, it was the biggest disappointment, I would say, go after last year was the lack of development from the receiver room. Well, you still have Diggs and Davis, but now we have uh, Khalil Shakir, who's going to be another year uh, more experienced, but you bring in the speed element with Hardy. I think that's going to gonna help out. And even though I know Kincaid is a tight end, I'm thinking about how he will impact this passing game. And it's going to be a huge improvement to have Josh finally have a weapon once again to use the middle of the field. So you go position by position by position. They've almost all gotten better. And that is a good sign going forward because for those that thought, well, maybe they'll dip from 13 and three to 11 and six or 10 and seven. I, I don't think it's going to be as significant of a drop as some people might've thought back in January. They got younger and that's really important. I think they had a little bit of a philosophy change across the board. And I'd love to cap off the money that maybe they were thinking about giving to DeAndre Hopkins on Puna Ford and Yannick Ngakwe. That'd be a quite a good consolation prize to add to the D line um, over, um, you know, what what happens to be inside of the receiver room. So to me, yes, I was all in on receiver. They dressed it in their own way. They got him a weapon. They p- protected him, got in shorter into the situation. But ultimately, I think that there's adding two two premier talents to the defensive line is is a difference maker. Um, good point by last prayers up for Kim. Absolutely uh, continued on that front always uh, when it comes to that. Um, and thank you for the Pagulas in general for giving Brandon Bean the flexibility. If we've heard it already. The Bengals are running into trouble from what I've heard in terms of you when you guarantee money, you need to escrow money away. That's how the salary cap works. Yes, it's fun money. However, when you guarantee money, you need to guarantee it. It needs to be there. It doesn't get taken yet. Um, but as the guarantees are paid out, you need to have money in escrow. As you do restructures, as you do upfront bonuses, you need to have liquid cash, not just salary cap. And an owner that allow you to do so is a big benefit to, to owners that do cash to cap, which is the opposite. It's how much cash are we allocating? And we're going to use that as our cap space internally. So ultimately, the, uh, the, the Pagoulas have given being everything that he needs to do to be successful. And straight up, if he came to him right now and said, we can make Jerry Judy, DeAndre Hopkins, Yannick Ngakwe work, they'll let it happen. Like they'll, they'll let it happen. So that's ultimately what is really cool about what this regime is able to do and going forward, Mike, I needed to spend two minutes. I actually lowered it here. I said nine minutes, but I lowered it to two talking about undrafted free agents just for you. But we yeah. have to have a slight segment on undrafted free agents because I love him. Mike likes just like wait and see what happens. Um, but Jalen Wayne, a guy that, uh, you know, has a great bloodline who was fifth and sixth round in most experts boards. Right was shorter and, and for the most for the most part across the board as someone that could have gotten drafted, played really well. Sunbelt, you know, one of their one of their players of the year at South Alabama. Um, he's a really quality player that I want to watch what Jalen Wayne could do from those bloodlines. Uh 23 year old, 23 years old. So uh someone that I definitely have 
um, that I'm watching DJ Dale, a guy that I had sneakily making the roster, a piece of that, a really sneaky piece of that Alabama defense. who's done it all. Um, but Puna Ford may have taken his goal away. Do expect both of those guys to be on the practice squad. So I wanted to uh, bring up both of them as, as premier players I'm watching on the UDFA front. Uh, no one else I'm going to really notice at this stage. Jordan Mims was interesting as well as a guy who did it all for Fresno state scored 18 touchdowns last year. A uh, guy that's produced uh, really quite frankly could have been drafted uh, but I wanted to make sure um, that he's somebody that I brought up. But Latavius Murray and Puna Ford quickly changed the narrative on some of those guys, leaving just Wayne as a guy I'm watching um, in the uh, in the undrafted free agency front. And I love that for Mike. I love that the Bills are basically like, we're only signing five to six now. We don't need to give him money. These undrafted free agents are getting a ton of money right now. Andre Carter from Army got a ton of money. Um, yeah, that contract was massive. Um, the Bills are like, we're not playing in that. That costs on the salary cap. We don't have the roster spots. I love that they're doing five to six. And shout out to my guy, James Patterson, coming in for minicamp. A guy that could sneakily be a linebacker yeah, on you're this roster. My thunder. I, I, that was the one thing I could have talked about. Okay, go ahead. Talk about it, Mike. Well, James Patterson getting the mini camp invite. Congrats to him. You always like to see UB players get a shot at trying to to make the professional. Bills have two of them. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. No one ever would have thought the Bills would have simultaneously had two UB corners on their roster last year, and that was the case um, at one point during the season. So, congrats to James Patterson. He had a tremendous career. Uh, with the UB Bulls. A lot of you might know that he's the brother of the Washington Commanders running back, Jarrett Patterson, who was a record-breaking running back at UB during their finest time, uh, their top 25 season uh, during COVID. And I, I do want to bring up uh, one other UDFA, Kev. Actually, a couple. There we go. There we go, Mike. That's what I like so, to hear. Tyrell uh, Shavers uh, out of San Diego State. Special uh, teamer. Good special teamer. Uh might have an outside chance of maybe trying to to earn a role in that that perspective that way. Uh, some people are saying he's elite at what he does with that. And then the Florida tackle who played alongside um, of Osiris yes. Torrance, uh, Richard, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I, pardon me, uh, Guriaj. Um, ESPN had him as a top 20 UDFA uh, following the draft. So that is a guy that maybe has an outside chance of um, – obviously not making the team, but being a practice squad guy and something that they can spend some time to, to develop. So there are a few guys out there, Kev, that uh, are interesting to me. Um, I, I know that I'm not normally the biggest UDFA guy, but there are some players that the bills brought in that at least warrant some practice squad consideration. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Richard garage. Uh, garage is definitely someone that I have on the list too. I think that the unit's fairly deep. Um, but he was, like you mentioned, someone that has been noted as, you know, everyone kind of develops their own, um, top UDFA list. I think Jalen Wayne's toward the top of it, in my opinion, if he wasn't on the list, you saw, um, uh, but I could see where garage is, uh, definitely, uh, on a list. So he's definitely someone I'm watching here as well in training camp. There's not a lot of them. So that's the good thing for Mike. There's really only six and maybe we'll see if anybody comes out, um, um, maybe comes out of minicamp as well. They will sign. They have last year. They've signed one, two, or three players from minicamp. Um, so that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm hoping for. And Donna, there are times and episodes where Mike gets all the run, uh, but UDFAs, what? I even shrank UDFA topic down. For you. Yep. All the run, Kevin. 
Yeah. I like to think like that it. we share the time pretty fairly go. and give each other the opportunity to speak. Uh, and she was just being sarcastic. It's okay. It's okay to, to have some talk going on in the chat. <laughs> Donna, always appreciate your, um, your, your, you tuning in. Um, but Mike, I mean, what an action packed show, like an AJ producer, AJ Sabalski, you know, he's on his, I think two weeks left at it with, uh, as the producer here. So, you know, we're, we're counting down the days here of, of May and, uh, and we appreciate all the work that he's. We're hoping too. we can keep him on, though. I mean, yeah, we're trying. We're trying to get AJ on a contract extension here, yeah, guys. So the, the negotiations are are getting a little tense at times. But if we can get another sponsor in addition to Sons of Erie to help us out, so we can pay AJ a little bit on the side to stay with us, uh, we'd appreciate it. So uh, reach out to your local establishments and tell them uh, we need to keep AJ Cybulski with the Going Deep podcast. Yeah, please tweet at the big boss. Get get him moving to keep AJ Sabalski here uh, producing the Going Deep podcast and doing great work behind the scenes at the Combine. He's done a lot for us. Uh, he deserves that contract extension. So we'll see what we'll able to work out before the deadline here in May um, as uh, he... Some would argue he's more valuable than me. So Yeah, I mean, yeah, producer Mike. I think it's time for producer Mike. If you make me um, producer Mike, I, I'll be okay. I'll, I'll survive. Yeah, producer Mike Butt. That might that might be something that we go with. But once again, we really appreciate everybody tuning in. We have a drop coming from Sons of Erie. They're dropping a great new design. Watch out for them. www.instagram.com slash Sons of Erie. Got an all-new design coming out. Also, the bocce tournament, the Ilio DePaulo's bocce tournament, sponsored with Buffalo Bills players and Sons of Erie. Uh, that's going to be a great event. You can come and spectate, watch people play bocce as a guest pass. going to be a great time uh, for charity, all for the uh, Ilio DePaulo Scholarship Fund. Uh, so that's going to be a really cool, uh, a really cool time for to to uh to participate in so uh with all that being said we really appreciate everybody coming here for an hour and 20 minutes for this action-packed review uh we have ant coming up here later at nine o'clock so we got it all ready and primed for his show but really enjoy talking udfa talking defensive line we got into o-line for a while today uh really some great discussion around how that o-line is going to look but excited to see how the next week turns out hopefully next week mike will have a defensive end to talk about uh we'll maybe have some um some more things that trickle on through the uh, through the pipeline here with the Bills' final roster tweaks, maybe um, some more minicamp invites and players that make the roster that we can talk about just for you, Mike. Um, but that'll do it for us from Kevin. That's Mike, producer AJ down there doing all the, all, all the other gritty work. And we'll be back at you to, uh, next week, 7 p.m. on the Going Deep podcast. And we'll catch you guys all later. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep down field, and it's Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action.
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, an infant formula company on a mission to get a lot closer to the most super, super food on the planet, breast milk. Our patented protein blend has more of the important and most abundant proteins actually found in breast milk. We're the first and only U.S.-made formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. We even conducted the largest clinical trial by a new infant formula company in a quarter century with clinically proven benefits like easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus a leading infant formula. And we make our own formula in the USA and our very own factories in Iowa, Oregon, and Pennsylvania. Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Life's better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards. That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.